Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency for the new Spectator USA website. I'm joined today by Dominic Green, who is Spectator USA's arts editor and a Brit living in America. And we're going to be talking about the British reaction to the forthcoming visit of Donald Trump to our shores in June. Dominic, we've just heard hot off the press that Jeremy Corbyn, shock horror, is going to be snubbing the state banquet for Donald Trump when he is in London. This is not to most of us very surprising news, given what Corbyn has said about Trump in the past. But the more pressing question for me anyway is, does Donald Trump have any idea who Jeremy Corbyn is? Well, Freddie, as you know, uh, until quite recently, most people in Britain didn't really know who Jeremy Corbyn was. And unless you were a terrorist or a militant vegetarian, you probably hadn't encountered him yet. So I'm almost certainly sure that this is the first time Donald Trump has heard of him, though given Corbyn's past, I imagine the American security services are familiar with him. I'm not actually sure that uh, Donald Trump will pick up this latest snub from Jeremy Corbyn. He may have picked up the news that John Burko has said that he should not be allowed to speak to Parliament. Is that right? I, I gather now Burko has apologised for that. Yes, the original incident happened in 2017 when Burko took it upon himself to refuse uh, the invitation. But immediately afterwards, he did admit that it wasn't really his decision to make. There are two speakers, the Speaker of the Commons and the Speaker of the House of Lords, and they're meant to um, work this stuff out between them. So he apologised to the Speaker of the Lords, uh, Norman Fowler. And so really, it wasn't his decision in the first place. I dread that they may then put it to a vote. There is this slight tendency among British politicians, especially when dealing with American leaders, to exaggerate just how important they or we as Britain are. And I mean, although Americans acknowledge that Britain is a valuable and important ally, it doesn't really matter to them who, let's say, the leader of the opposition party in Britain is. I think you're right on that. I think politicians are in the business of exaggerating their own importance and there are votes to be won and attitudes to be struck uh, when it comes to taking uh, a cost-free position against anything that happens outside a country's borders, uh, let alone in a relationship which everybody knows will probably endure regardless of the kinds of leaders either state has. But all this ostentatious virtue signaling against Trump from high-profile political figures does perhaps damage relations between America and Britain. I mean, when it does get across to American people, they feel a little bit hurt by it because a lot of Americans do attach some importance to the so-called special relationship. No, I think the anti-Trump mood in Britain is restricted to two or three particular groups. I think most people are actually quite sympathetic to him um, for shaking things up, just as they're broadly sympathetic to the United States. As in many European countries, the people who are really enraged by America tend to, to be sort of impotent left-wing intellectuals. And of course, they are also strongly present in the media. So the whole thing receives more coverage than it should perhaps be due. That said, there is a streak of anti-Americanism running through both sides uh, of the line in the House of Commons. Both the Conservatives and the Labour Party have their own traditions of it. But really, in, among Conservatives, it's pretty much withered away over the last 30, 40 years since the days of the Thatcher-Reagan romance. But Britain's political class has had quite a strange animosity towards Trump for a very long time. E even before 
Trump was the Republican Party nominee in 2016, there was a long debate in Parliament about whether he should be banned from this country because of what he'd said about Muslims. It seems British politicians got in on the anti-Trump movement arguably earlier than anyone. Yes, yes. Um, the other thing is, and, and it's embarrassing to say this, that the British are world champions at the art of snobbery, and there is something about Donald Trump which really sets them off. So they would have been top of the league when it came to denouncing him for basically being a bit rough around the edges. Yes, and they would think all his voters were rough around the edges and a bit common too, probably. Yes, they do. They look down upon them, and to be fair, they look down upon their, most of their own voters as deplorable as well. And, and again, this is, as most things in Britain do, it comes down to class differences and so on. What nobody seems to be too bothered by, there is no suggestion of any irregularities around Trump's actual election. This is not, say, ballot stuffing as happened in Illinois in 1960 to uh, give JFK the, the White House, which, and he's a figure, of course, still revered in Britain. So this does come down to an opinion on Trump's manners as much as his character. And, of course, the whole thing is filtered secondhand through British media and often thirdhand through American media and then to British media. So if you were to stop, I suspect, most members of Parliament and actually ask them for the details um, on which they're taking such offence, they probably wouldn't really have a first-hand detailed understanding of what Trump was supposed to have done other than worn strangely long ties or combed his hair in a particular manner or, or generally conducted himself as not quite a gentleman. It's also quite cruel of the British to be like this towards Donald Trump. I know it's quite hard to induce sympathy for Donald Trump, but in far as his approach to Britain as a political figure, Donald Trump has always been very, very accommodating. Yes, he's had the faux pas with Theresa May about the Sun interview when he said her deal was awful, but he was really just saying what everyone thought. But in terms of his attitude towards trade with Britain post-Brexit, towards helping Britain in its negotiations with the European Union, He's really been as friendly as he can, and, and it means a lot to him because of his Scottish family and so on. It feels quite cruel, actually. It is, and I think it's quite embarrassing to see. Personally, I find it embarrassing. There's a definite uh, frisson of, 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 a, of a bullying streak, as you say, in rejecting somebody who so clearly wants to be a member of the club. He is like Macbeth uh, of Scottish mother, and he obviously feels a, a connection. Frankly, I don't think that taking this attitude is a luxury that the British government, whoever was leading it, can afford. The negotiations in the European Union have gone so badly over Brexit and have been conducted with a great deal of malice as well. You contrast that to Trump's attitude, which is is rumoured to have included the offer of a, of a temporary free trade deal. No questions asked on the table immediately. Um, that's an astoundingly generous offer. It's also a very English and cruel snobbery because a lot of Brits get a kick out of uh, how much Americans seem to be interested in our royal family. And we assume that they sort of revere our monarchy and our institutions as something superior and older. Uh, well, it is older, obviously, but superior by its nature than their new democracy. But I think we confuse their politeness and interest in our history with a sort of reverence that isn't necessarily real. No, no, I don't think it is at all. I mean, there, there is a big difference between uh, reverence and enjoying what is effectively a very expensive, lavish soap opera. British people tend to be quite reverent towards the royal family, despite the way it carries on. And Americans 
for a long time had what may be the correct measure of these things, which is to see them as a species of entertainment. And indeed, the arrival of Meghan Markle has perhaps accelerated the development in Britain of people viewing it as much the same thing. And of course, that then raises the question of whether we will give them another series infinitely or whether, in fact, we will view them as, as dispensable in the way of light entertainment. Well, uh, Trump, being a TV entertainment specialist himself, sees all the opportunities for uh, entertainment value, both with him and the royals, I think. We understand that Meghan Markle and Prince Harry are not big fans of Donald Trump. It would be very surprising if they were. But we probably can expect some sort of display of anti-Trump antagonism in the next few weeks before he arrives. Well, this sort of thing, as we know in the US, always rebounds on the haters. And it's bad enough if the elected representatives are signalling their virtue in this way. It will rebound on them. It's worse if unelected representatives are carrying on like this. We don't look to the royal family to give us guidance on political attitudes. They might be useful telling you which item of silverware to use first, but that's pretty much the limits of it. They really shouldn't be involved in this kind of way. But I do believe it will rebound on everybody because that is Trump's brilliance in a sense. He is a master of this martial art where he turns his enemy's energy back against them and flips them over onto their back end every single time. Dominic, we'll leave it there, but thank you very much for talking to us. Thank you, Freddie. That's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. I'd encourage you all to go to iTunes and rate and review us, and please be as kind as you possibly can. I'd be very grateful. Also want to tell you about a new offer. If you go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher, you'll see that you can get a £20 John Lewis voucher if you subscribe to our 12 issues for £12 subscription offer for the magazine. That's a pretty good deal, and I would take it.